Hey, this is uh, magic artist Eric Deschamps, and you're listening to Seven Land Hand. It's Seven Land Hand! <laughs> Extra! Brought to you by Good Games. Mmm, belly of the beast. Oh, but don't turn off vegetarian listeners. This show isn't all tripe. Or indeed is it a plate of delicious pork belly with celeriac and pear mash. Oh, the gravy. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We're, we're talking Ben Dutta's RPG sensation today, Belly of the Beast, which is much more of a delight as we go deep down into the bowels of a huge beast where everything smells a bit farty and exposed flames could mean the apocalypse. Speaking of which, this is Seven Land Hand. Ah, to lower intestines and expectations, it's Matt, the ducks of reflux, Mikhail. Oh, 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 Cough it up, Matt. I'm here. What have you got? You're in. I'm here. You're in. I'm good. Keying in. All right. <laughs> What's been rumbling away in your geeky world since we last spoke? I've been rekindling my love of The Walking Dead. Through your ever-expanding world of free trials of uh, <laughs> that's TV it. channels. That's, that's the only way I'm watching so TV So what have we got now? We've got days. Netflix, Tick. Yeah, Stan, Stan, Tick. tick. Yeah. Uh, now I'm on to Presto. Presto, right. <laughs> What's, what else is to come? Actually, the only reason I found Presto was because I saw there was a trailer for um, Fear the Walking Dead. Fear of the Walking Dead. So I jumped on board and then I found The Walking Dead. Uh, season four and five, right? And I, I'd only got as far as three. So, okay, yeah. so I've been uh, mainlining. Yeah. You have marathoning. Oh, Which yeah. one? Both. Well, uh, there's only season one of Fear of the Walking Dead on there, okay. which is only six episodes long. So, uh, oh, all right. So they're going for like the BBC six. sort of six episode deal because that's how they used to do it I in guess. the UK. Doubles. I think they still yeah. do. Well, it could be just this could just be the introdu- introductory season, so maybe oh, the second season's a bit dipping longer. their foot into the stagnant water of Yeah. Well, I've got a, yeah. if I remember correctly, the Walking Dead did that as well because they uh they had a shorter first season and Oh, back when there was characters season. that you cared about and it was interesting <laughs> and, and it wasn't all just walking. Yeah, yeah that's right. But uh, uh that's how I'm, I'm interested to see how the Mantic board game Walking Dead plays out. If a, how big is the board? Because well, yeah, you've got, you go, need a really big board for yeah. all that walking. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like phases <laughs> of play. Step one, roll the dice. Step two, walk. walk. Step three, walk. Step four, walk. Step five, <laughs> walk. Step six, resolve walking. Go that's, to phase that, one. That's it. Yep. I'm not I, phase one. No, I, I've heard it described as a season four and five as the uh, Walking Dead, the the walking simulator. And, there's uh, whatever they're up to now because I'm, I'm out I'm out in The Walking Dead I, I got I, sick of it yeah. but apparently the current season's good it's come good well, again well they, they, they I don't really, know what number that is they really jumped into uh, the current well, not the current but they're, they're always behind on the current story arc of the comic series yeah oh yeah by miles yeah. so yeah. but they've they've just reached the point where they introduced uh, the, it's not a spoiler because everyone knows it yeah. the Negan character uh, so Negan was is this, uh, yeah. I won't spoil him, but he he's the the most vicious thing that to ever fit front the series. And he's just happened in the TV series. Yeah, if you're up to date. Yeah, yeah. And what season's that then? Uh, I've got. A, I want to say seven. So right, that many. Okay. But I could be wrong, and it could be six. All right. Uh, but anyway, so on Presto, season four and five, and I'm halfway. Th- well, I've finished four, 
And I'm about five episodes deep into five at the moment. How does Presto work? And is that still like a year behind DVD? Like Netflix is kind of like oh, it's got DVD be. plus a year. It, it's really funny, but Netflix isn't too bad though because they, some things they get straight to Netflix. Yeah, you know, you know I noticed uh, Stranger Things. Stranger yeah. Things. Oh, yeah, because that's things. a Netflix original. Exactly. So they can Presto get that. Presto doesn't have anything like that right. because Presto is just a service that's provided by or someone. Someone has it, and Telstra obviously licenses it. Uh, and uh, I, d- I don't have to be actually be with Telstra to, to use it. Yeah. So I can just sign up for, for, for their monthly trial. But I saw um, episode seven Star Wars on. How long has that been out for? Is that, that could be. It feels like a long Does time. Because yeah, that's yeah. out on Netflix now. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> I was just See, all, this mucking oh, around with, f- all this mucking around with other streaming services. I've actually neglected my Netflix. Yeah. So I have to go. I'm paying for it, but I've neglected it. I watched some uh, documentary the other day. I don't know how I chose it. I just did. It's just something that happened. Uh, Tupac and Biggie. Because <laughs> you know how I'm into rap. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're big on rap. Somehow yeah. I decided, yes, this is a documentary that I need to watch. Yeah. So I started watching that. And it must have been like uh, halfway through it. The, the family came home, right? So it's got to go off. There's no way you can watch Tupac and Biggie no. and all that kind of stuff with the kids around. So off it goes. Now, I'm one of those guys. I, can you watch Can you watch half a show and just go, I'm done with it. I'm not necessarily getting anything out of it. I can walk away. I don't need to watch any more of that. I can. Yeah, you can? I can. I can walk away from stuff. Says the guy who's been watching Lost. Yeah. Anyway. I still haven't walked away from that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just on temporary. It's, it's lost in my Netflix menu yeah. somewhere. So I, could, I couldn't walk away from this. So every time I had a... Every time anyone was in the garden, it's like kids, can, can we go out and play on our bike? Yeah, go out. I've got this uh, Tupac and Biggie documentary I want to see the end of. I just watched the end of it. It's about as good as the first half. I don't know. I don't know what I learned there. Well, I, I did notice that something was up when you started referring to your place as, as your crib. Yeah, it is. And, it's my uh, crib. Yeah. And yeah, you're one of my, you're one of my homies now. That's it. Yeah. Um, no, so I, I, I really, I love the comic. Walking Dead. It, yeah. It's my, uh, above all else, it's my favorite. And watching these last two seasons of The Walking Dead, four and five, I've, I guess I've kind of accepted that they've deviated from the storyline. Is it, is it a different lot? Characters. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say yes. Is there more story in the comic book? Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Right. But they've, they've, what they've done is they've deviated from the storylines, which I, I understand is what they need to do. I mean, even, oh, yeah. even a different uh, from media the George R. R. Martin books from you know, Game of Thrones, they've deviated from the storylines. Yeah, because, so what? Uh, what is it, Tyrion? He's not, what did he do? He changed his name to Yolo and went and became a clown or something <laughs> like that. Is that what I, I heard? You're telling me some new information. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> that, that came from a source of disinformation. Yeah, so, it must yeah. be. Probably, um, I don't know. Discredited. Spoilers, just in case. <laughs> Peter Dinklage is now a clown. Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I've got into that. and uh, oh, for, oh, for you mentioned Fear of the Walking Dead. Now, Fear yeah. of the Walking Dead is the... What, do you, will you describe Prequel. it? Prequel. It, it's what you could call the setup for the whole of the Walking Dead series. Now, it, that it sounds established, more interesting. Yeah, it, established, it actually really was. It surprised me. I had initially written it off thinking... Yeah. Okay. Do they really need to do an origin story for the yeah. for the whole series? And it, it turns out it's actually quite engaging. It follows a completely different environment. They're in California. Uh, I think it's California. Yeah, California. Let's say California. And uh, whereas uh, The Walking Dead takes place in Georgia, Atlanta, okay. you know that sort of area. Yeah. So 
whole new cast of characters. Nothing sort of interrelates. However, you get this. It's not based this, on a comic book or anything. This is purely for TV. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I haven't come across it. And it seems that this, the plague itself that, that started this whole mess, you know, that's not described. That's not gone into. It's still this enigma, oh, if you right, like. Okay. And it's been going on for quite some time. So you don't even you're not even at the start Ooh, of so they'd be able to do a prequel to the prequel, prequel eventually. Prequel, once prequel. they figure it out, once like Lost, they figure out where they're heading. What do you think it'd be called? We've had The Walking Dead, Fear of the Walking Dead. It I'd would be call it Lost of the Walking Dead. Lost, Lost of the Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah, where they come up with some bullshit reason it takes place behind down why it in all a bunker happens. somewhere, and it shows you how how the virus oh, actually escaped. Lane. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. I share that moment with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's my TV fix at the moment. Yeah. yeah. On the on the table, I've got hold of uh, Martin Wallace's new game, Hit Z Road. Oh yeah, yeah. You yeah, showed me that. Nice, nice cover. That's all I got of it. But... It's uh, brilliant. Well, we're going to do an unboxing of it at some point. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. We've got so many unboxings to we do. Have. I've still got my uh, kickstarters for. Yeah, Blood Rage. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. No, no, Blood Rage is out. I've got... Oh, um, but you haven't unwrapped it yet. No, it was oh, Zombicide, Zombicide Black Plague. Yeah. And uh, what was the other one? The one begin, it begins with O. Oh, man, I've forgotten it now. Oh. Um, yeah. It's this. It's cool mini or not. And it's... Uh, I know the one you're talking about. It's that occult one. That, that one that takes place in like a mental hospital or something like that? Yeah, something like, I don't know. I haven't opened it yet. Others? <laughs> others? The others. The yeah, others? Yeah, others, yeah, yeah others, that others. one. Yeah, it's still uh, boxed up in this massive cube of cardboard up at the house. It's been there for months. I haven't opened it. <laughs> well, we'll get to it eventually. Yeah, uh, when, when, when no one cares, when, yeah, right. when it's been out and everyone's when seen it all. Cool Mini or not have actually put out their, uh, you know, 100. Vintage. Yeah, they've put out their vintage series That's and it. the others is one of them. <laughs> They'll be on Zombicide 7th uh, edition. Maybe I should leave it boxed up. It might become worth something one day. Uh, quite likely. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably. quite likely. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of plastic in there. So, what's hit hits the road then? So, hits the road is a uh, is a zombie yeah uh, game where you're traveling from. It's basically it's like a a family uh, buddy travel game. So the, the whole premise is you're you're traveling from one coast to the other along uh, Route 66. Yeah, and uh, you're in, on the way. You're encountering zombies you're needing resources to get yourself there and it's it's competitive so every player is a it's a board game or an rpg that's no, a board game okay every player has their own little uh, survivor band and the aim of the game is to get to the to reach the west coast yeah uh and, first. and make a movie with zombie bill murray that's it yeah reach it first make the movie with zombie bill murray yeah or uh to be the last group of survivors standing okay and, you and Martin Wallace, of course, is the lives in. Well, I think last time I heard, he lived in New Zealand. Tree Frog Games, okay, is his label, and he made Discworld Ankh Morpork. Oh right, yes, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've, that's, I knew, I thought I recognised his name. Yeah, it sounds like he's been underground for a little while, but uh, uh, he's New Zealand Hobbit Hole and all that. Yeah, yeah, good for him. Yeah. Oh, and he's local as well, so we should. Yeah, we should probably get oh. him up. <laughs> yeah, to see if um, our sponsor's selling the game and see if we can, what we can do. That's it. But um, otherwise, yeah, we'll just do it as an extra or something like that and have yeah. a chat to him. So 
the only other thing is the RPGs are keeping me busy. Uh, yeah, you become a RPG sensation at a Good Games Cannington. Dungeon Master. Head Dungeon Master, I Head hear. Dungeon yeah, yeah. That's what it says on my JDF. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Good stuff. <laughs> Which is great. At the moment, we're still playing uh, End of the World Apocalypse Alien Invasion. Yeah. Uh, sorry, End of the World Alien Invasion. Yeah. And uh, R- Rise of the Machines is out. Is it Rise of the Machines? Coming out. That's, uh, no, that it's out. Be... It's out. Oh, it's out. Okay, it's out. I'm a little bit It's behind. been on the shelves for ages. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then I'll have to uh, slot check, that check in there somewhere. Out. I think where I'm heading, though, is once I finish with the End of the World... Uh, Different system altogether. I'm going to look for probably Star Wars. Oh, yeah. There's a lot, yeah. Of, There's a lot of that the stuff. Force Awakens RPG has just come out recently, so... Yeah, or, or I'd like to know how that plays out. out. So and yeah, end of October. I was pl- I was planning on. I've got the Call of Cthulhu book out. I've been reading it. Um, I just don't have the confidence to pull it all together. I think God, you know. Yeah, it's, I've, certainly. Can. I've got a year. If I think about it, Halloween twenty seventeen. Got a year and a month to year and a few weeks to go. It's fine. Oh, I suppose that's what that's. You got to have goals, don't you? You got to have goals. Yeah. And you were telling me about something interesting. The Horror. Oh, on the oh horror. Yeah, yeah. That's you were telling me about that. And yeah, yeah. That would and you've be, seen that, right? I've seen that. I've, yeah, I've got the PDFs, the old, the the, uh, the ver- original version PDFs. Yeah, all oh, as a brand spanking new big box set. Yeah, to go with from Calcium. Yeah, I think so. I think it could be a, a seventh edition so one. So that'll be something. They got some nice stuff. Out. They got like a um, like a zombie. No, zombie. God, that's stuck in my head now. They got like a Actum. Cthulhu mythos book of monsters like a bestiology of yeah yeah is that what they call them oh it's yeah, you're smiling sure. like beastiology. It it's yeah. a beast. no it's it, there is a word for it isn't there oh i don't know yeah pathfinder have it yeah beast bestiary <laughs> bestiary that's yeah. it yeah yeah um yeah they've got one of those but for lovecraft stuff yeah yeah brilliant. it's this cool little gray cover book so yeah check with check the it gug out. Oh, I love it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, They're all in there. I have horrible memories of fighting the Gug in a water tower. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's from years ago now. There was dead cleaners everywhere. All teeth. Yeah. All teeth. (laughs) All teeth. And hairy arms. (laughs) Yeah. Like ripping things apart. (laughs) How about yourself? What have you been up to? Um, Very little. Uh, Well, I've been been building a zombie deck, but now I've got to overhaul it with everything Kaladesh has done. But, you know... (laughs) Uh, this is yeah, this podcast is in a weird place because it's probably a, one of our first bank shows that we've got. So this is being we're recording this prior to Kaladesh. I'm actually mm-hmm. recording another podcast with the Magic Guys tomorrow night on Kaladesh. So all my Kaladesh knowledge will go will be aboard <laughs> as of tomorrow. Yeah, you're repressing it. You're trying not to talk about it. So I've got a I've got a um, uh, Eldritch Moon and Prior standard zombie deck which i'm building yeah but i imagine that's all going to change as soon as i as soon as kaladesh drops aaron's going to be making me drive them zombies around in vehicles and <laughs> yeah, yeah i don't know i don't them, know uh, uh, it'll be an overhaul strange what is kaladesh which is the home plane of chandra, chandra. yeah yeah so uh, lots of uh, artifacts and stuff like that yeah yeah there's some amazing uh, it's all steampunky um Things flying overhead and... Well, uh, retrospectively, hopefully, I listened to that one. Oh, yeah, you enjoyed it. It was very good. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, we'll have it tomorrow. <laughs> I can actually see the uh, the agenda from here for tomorrow night's podcast. It's like a radio station here all of a sudden. <laughs> it is. Microphones everywhere. There's machines with lights that go bing. But always a plushy Cthulhu with always. a Hyper Magic Nerd badge. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, if we haven't got anything else... 
We could uh, step forward. We have got Ben Dudder on today. We have. And we're talking about Belly of the Beast, which is an RPG. Yep. Uh, and maybe we'll tell you a little bit more about that after this. Let's do that. Win Beyond Baker Street for commenting on our Facebook post for episode 76, now posted to the top of the page at facebook.com forward slash Sevenland Hand. That's right. Uh, while stocks last, Sevenland Hand listeners can also get 10% off Beyond Baker Street at every good game store in the known universe. Uh, you know them. Well, the world at least. Yeah, uh, well... Yes, you're correct. I won't be surprised you haven't got a store on the moon yet. But everything on the world is inclusive, is, is within the universe. So Fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so you know Good Games. It's that place with the good followed by the games and then that dragon. Uh, all you have to do is approach a local Good Games store employee, you know, raise an eyebrow, puff your pipe. <laughs> is that what you do with a pipe? Yeah. Yep. And state this month's password. Elementary, my dear Watson. Ah, for all of, of all of October, that is elementary, my dear Watson, and that's while stocks last. So now on with the show. All right, Billy of the Beast by Ben Dutta. Ben Dutta, yeah, coming up shortly. S- Sigilstone Games. Yeah, you've you've now you've played this. I have. Well, I started the... an introductory campaign. Yeah, with uh, the guys with Harlan and the gang from the Invictus Stream over yeah. in Canada. And we did uh, one episode so far uh, on a Google Hangout yeah. with them, which we uh, live live fed. And just go uh, show how big the belly is. It's it's because huge. Incorporated Australia. And oh, it's Canada. massive! It's yeah. immense. This thing, yeah, right. the whole of Canada, Australia, and probably the rest of the world. Parts in between, except yeah. New Zealand, because I think yeah. it's a bit hard to swallow. But the oh, um, dig it, dig it. The uh, our New Zealand friends there, we love you right. all. We do. I've got a cousin who's from New Zealand. Yeah. But uh, so I'm hoping to get by and finish that with another uh, stream. Now, last time we, we and I played it with them, we were in the morning, they were at night, so they had a bit more fun than us, I think, because they could drink. All right, you were struggling and so a bit. so we're going to switch it around. Oh, I had kids climbing all over the place. It was right. it was really a shambles. So next uh, next time so what's uh, we're going to reverse the... What's uh, the general the vibe of Belly of the Beast? I mean, we're probably going to talk to Ben about all sorts of things. So yeah. Belly of the Beast being just come off Kickstarter. Yep. Yeah, it was his third... Kickstarter, successful Kickstarter, yeah, and this one really turns the RPG and the the, the that fantasy genre on its head. Yeah, uh, it, it's not necessarily a magical or mythical world. It's more of a a uh, past it's, civilization. I think it's got that containment thing about it that. Uh, yep. Lots of RPGs look for, isn't it? It's got like you know these are your boundaries. Yeah, yeah, very and, insular, and there's not you don't. As in, as in the environment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. You're yeah, in like, the belly. Literally, the, yeah. the game is confined to the belly of the the beast. After the whole of civilization it's has just dungeon been nouveau. Up. It as really in guts. is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's grim. It's gritty. It's dirty. Filthy. Gross. And uh, people are uh, humanity has managed to survive and are eking out. Uh, a meagre existence inside the guts of this this giant world-consuming beast. So who and he has consumed the he's eaten everything. Oh, he's eating everything. He's yeah. like that. What he's like that that car that ate Paris. Oh, I haven't seen that. No, neither have I. But okay. I just no, it's a thing. This is a car that ate Paris. Yeah, apparently, the cars okay. that ate Paris. Yeah. Um, 
and he's so so you're stuck inside the belly of the beast but because he's eaten all the worlds yeah. or world there's bits and chunks of all sorts of gear hanging That's around it. imagine yeah. yeah so the, the the story goes like this hundreds of years ago a meteorite or something like that crashed onto the planet yeah. and after years and years of dormancy dormancy yeah, yeah. something work. something uh, emerged and then started consuming everything it came into contact with. You know, this is that every right. sentence that we say these days can always end. The the answer to every sentence is always Donald Trump, isn't it? <laughs> it just occurs to me. Everything. The, 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 the devourer. Yeah, yeah this, the, thing, uh, this thing emerged. The insatiable god. Oh, let's not go too far. <laughs> Still anyway. Trump. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what's happened is as this beast has, has fed, it's gotten incalculably large. And it just consumes everything that gets in its path. Whole civilization. Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds yeah. like it. Orange hair and everything. Yeah. Uh, it's just eating everything. Whole civilizations, towns, so, cities. And is this so? This is going from different world to world within the universe, or is it just like chomping its way through Earth? Well, it's chomping its way through Earth. So, right, so you don't I get imagine. alien artifacts coming into the belly. Well. It's hard to say. Oh, I mean, is that a seven-line hand, seven hand original idea once again? Nucleus well of ideas and gaming, yeah. I tell you. Get into the origin of the beast. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. we go. Yeah. I hope Ben's listening or we'll tell him <laughs> when we speak to him. Uh, so people haven't been... Because of this, this beast is so massive, Yeah, it's swallowed whole chunks of land, whole tracts of land, cities in one gulp sort of thing. So... People aren't, and it has a really slow digestive system. Yeah, of course. Because <laughs> it's so huge. Yeah. And things are not uh, ruined and, and destroyed. Well, everything is because it just gets crushed up and milled around. But people have managed to survive. There's still a shoe shop there, for example. There is. There's a bakery. There's a pig yeah. farmers. In fact, pigs are probably, <laughs> pigs, it seems, are the most uh, survived, one of the animals that survived. The, the easiest, I guess. Okay. They managed to adapt. Yeah. And everything's, you know, everything's horrible. It's just just grim and dark and there's no natural light. The only, you know, light you get is yeah, from fires or from luminescent So you can light a, fl- you can light a fl- in flame the inside the, be- despite all the gases. You can, but you'd have to be careful of where you light that fire because some of those gases. They do blow up, do they? Oh, they could do. Oh, yeah. It's up to you. I know in the game I, I had... I had, uh, I had guys, the guys cutting out, I had them cutting out pustules out of a wall full of noxious gas. So when you cut the pustules out and throw them and they explode, they just vent in this, this gas that like mustard gas. And so are the the bad, the bad guys wandering around, like trying to cause trouble. You put it this way. If, if everything gets consumed and, but you've managed to survive and you've got to eke out some sort of existence, what do you, what do you think you do? Um, and you know you scavenge I don't know, read right? a book oh so scavenge you yes, scavenge yes, yeah. so you go through the remnants of past civilizations that have been consumed it, and don't think of this as in something that's happening this week next week that sort of thing this oh, is I, do, I, look, over, I look frightened don't I this like it's gonna, over is this going to happen to me man <laughs> <laughs> generations uh, centuries no, so obviously you've been in the happen. belly of the beast for a very long time as well as so well yeah the well, world got eaten a long time ago yeah you okay. could have been yeah yeah so you're likely you could have been born beast born oh really yeah oh, belly, so belly born they call belly it. born so you could have or you could have been consumed and managed to survive but belly born who's an amazing motorbike rider from uh <laughs> louisiana 
Okay, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, Ballybong. <laughs> Ballybong, here come Ballybong. And so as I was saying, you're scavenging amongst the ruins of past civilizations for equipment and, and uh, provisions. Imagine, imagine those jars of grain that were sealed up, you know, because to protect them from the elements or whatever. Or canned spoilage. food. Like oh. canned, ancient canned food, you know, yeah. going after those things. Oh, water is one of the most precious resources because uh, there's nothing to drink but fetid, stinky bowel water. Is te- any technology still knocking around or is that all we've taken a step back there? You've taken a step back. And there's it no seems way to that plug the, in. Well, at the time of the story where it starts, you're, the world is at a sort of a, uh, a renaissance type period. So there's a lot of... Just stay through renaissance, starting to... And then been eaten. Imagine yeah. Leonardo da Vinci. He's just created the helicopter and then he got eaten. You know, so... And all these drawings and paintings and all that sort of stuff got eaten with him. Right. Oh, that's when it happened. So then there's a, you know, you go back. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm making that up. I mean, it's such a open-ended system that you could set it in any, you know, any setting you wanted to. You could set it in the future. He's consuming whole uh, futuristic cities. But yeah. then I think that's a little bit less believable because if you've got lasers and that sort of thing, I yeah. guess you can shoot your way out. So I suppose you can travel from one part of the belly guts system yeah. to another and it's completely different as well yeah, you from headwood okay to where the most recent things have been consumed yeah. a very violent place because everything's been cr- getting crushed up yeah. chewed up swallowed compacted uh, and then there's the middle of the beast where everything is sort of settled down and somewhat but there's still movement towards tailwood oh dear yeah don't need yeah. to go there yep Ooh. where everything gets is there an option of getting pooed back out into the universe I'm imagining... You'd just end up in space, would wouldn't you? be pleasant. Well, I have and to say, if die. consuming the whole world... Yeah, where do you land? There's not going to be much left. Yeah. It's like a mouse eating cheese. You know, right. It starts eating cheese and eventually there's no cheese to eat. Yeah, I know, but then the mouse poos the cheese out, it lands back on the kitchen floor, no harm done. Except that you now in poo not, rather than cheese. Yeah, but... So if you manage to get inside a bubble, like an air, a pocket of air bubble in a belly of the... in a beast poo... Then you could survive. No, no, it's like a it's like a hunk of cheese and a mouse got thrown into the air, and the mouse eats the cheese while he's in the air, and then poos it out, and then you just a bit of cheese poo in the air, and you just got a long drop back down to the floor if there was gravity. I was going to say this wouldn't work if if um, if the beast was actually my dog because my dog turns around and eats its own poo, so you just get consumed a second time. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost like the human centipede of um, belly of the beast. Where are we going with this? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to get to the bottom of it. Just trying to understand it. Oh, this is, this is all come from Ben's. Yeah, there you go. This is all come from Ben's mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and what it really struck me as, as a unique setting when I first saw it on on Kickstarter, and I, I did back it because uh, it, I was extremely interested and. Uh, Got in. I got in really early, and now it's uh, it's actually being released. So yeah. So has it got a, a retail release? Is it going out like that? It has through uh, Drive Through RPG. Okay. So you can purchase the PDF version. Yeah. Uh, like and the you are also kind. able to purchase a, a hard copy version. Yeah, a printed version. All right. So yeah, but uh, that's the way he operates. But I think we find uh, we can find more of that information out from him. Yeah, sure. Oh, should we go and try and DM? Whereabouts is he? Is he in the states? He's in Sacramento, California. Sacramento, California. Oh, that sounds nice and sunny. 
We yeah, should, he, we he did, assured me he's a, an early riser, so that 6 a.m. over there wasn't going to be a problem. All right. Well, before it's 6 a.m. for us, and it is a problem, let's see if we can find uh, ben, Mr. Ben Dutter. Let's do it. We just had a, a cup of tea and a, a coffee to try and get into that breakfast mindset that you must be in right now, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a pretty early riser, so no yeah. problem on my, on my end. Yeah, wait, wait, yeah I, can't, I can't function. I didn't even realize there was a six o'clock in the morning until Matt was telling me about it earlier. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You be, you just got up? Um, I usually am up around five o'clock. Yeah? You've got that... dogs, if I remember right, don't you? That's right, yep. yeah. Is that a yeah, creative time for you, that early in the morning? Um, no. I, I like the <laughs> long transition time, but yeah. I just, uh, you know, I peak around 8 a.m., 9 a.m., so... Good. Yeah, man, I can't get going until, like, I, it takes me, like, I can't do it anymore because I've got a family, but it would take me all, all day, and then just the later I would stay up at night, that would be that would be the creative hours, you know, and you'd start yep. hitting it around 11 o'clock, well, 12 that, o'clock, right. 1. Same with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just can't get going that, that quick. It would be amazing. <laughs> Although I can't mistake uh, creative time for doing the dishes and watching Netflix. No, that doesn't count, Matt. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, this I'm I'm David anyway, Ben, and uh, this is Matt. Yeah, you remember? Yep. Yeah, Matt so, and I have talked before. It's yeah. nice meeting you, David. That's Thank it. you. We, we actually saw face to face. Did you? Uh, yep. Yeah. When Wait, we, when we did that happen? That was uh, well via Skype, but oh. uh, just prior to doing the uh, the, the hookup with Invictus Stream. Did you? Were you in on that, Ben? Yeah, you, I, uh, I wasn't in the stream, but I. Uh, we did talk a little bit about it the night before. Gave me some advice and some tips, and, and I just got a little bit of an overview. And oh, how cool! Yeah, yeah, it was good. So it really was a collaborative effort, and uh, we're going to finish that off uh, hopefully next month. But nice. um, our schedules are all ridiculously busy. I know uh, Harlan and, and his and the Invictus stream are getting really busy with everything they're doing, and the podcast here for us is really taking off. So. Um, but we were saying we'll how big out. how big this beast must be if within its <laughs> belly we've got Canada and Australia and probably <laughs> must be all parts in between, right? Definitely. Yeah. yeah it's huge. Um, so Belly of the Beast and your previous Kickstarter efforts, uh, Hunt the Wicked and Vow of Honor, is that correct? Yep, that's yeah. right. I actually had another one too, uh, Forge of Valor. That was my first one. Yep. That one was unsuccessful. But uh, yeah, Vow of Honor... Hunt the Wicked and Belly of the Beast have been successful. Yeah, so they were, they're all very unique settings in their own right. Um, how did those concepts, because they're all very different games, how did they originate? Well, initially I uh, made Vow of Honor kind of in response to my failure of Forge of Valor. Forge of Valor was sort of my fantasy kitchen sink um, you know, setting and, and game. It was sort of my take on an established uh, like D&D-esque world. Yeah. So I wanted to do something that had a lot more focus. And the thing that always interested me the most were um, characters that had a really strong, you know, motivational drive, some sort of code or some sort of, uh, you know, cause that they had to kind of pursue. Yeah, yeah. So Val of Honor is all about basically an order of like monks or, you know, paladins or something similar to that Jedi, uh, you know, a, a group of people who are dedicated to a certain strict code of ethics so i just caught, came up with a, a world concept that i thought would reinforce the idea of you know why would an order need to exist in a time like this that was so dependent upon 
um, honor and morality and kind of a code of justice. And so that's where the setting of Sasara came about. And similarly, with Hunt the Wicked, I wanted to go the other way and kind of have, um, rather than characters being driven to some greater lofty kind of purpose, <laughs> I wanted them to have personal, you know, this is like fun for them and this is a, a personal motivation, you know, what drives them individually. So that's where the evolution of the Hunt the Wicked system came into play uh, from Valve Honor's system. Yeah, yeah. And then again, I, I worked backwards from there for, to create the setting that I thought would reinforce those themes. And uh, so it was more about like, you know, how can people travel through uh, space and, you know, what are they going to do? Bounty hunters is always a favorite concept of mine. So that kind of came about naturally. And finally, with Belly of the Beast, um, I wanted to really hone in on the extreme kind of dungeon delve so this is like my take on a, a real hardcore, you know, dungeon environment. So I, I thought, you know, what's the most, what's what's a dungeon cranked up to 11? And, you know, that's kind of where the idea uh, came about and, and everything flowed pretty naturally from that. Yeah, we were talking about the, in the in the, in the run-up to this interview, we were talking about uh, setups for RPGs. And what you said there about the Vow of Honor, um, do you think that there's... Uh, in an RPG, it's good to set up the constraints and the boundaries of a world. Are they the, is that the fun part? Because essentially you think an RPG is a, is a big grand world adventure, but setting the boundaries can sort of give the theme and the, and the look of the game. Would, would you follow that yeah, kind that, of thinking? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think with any creative endeavor, when you put constraints on it or you, you say, I want to hit these three themes really hard, um, it's more inspiring yeah. and than if you just say, you know, here's a universe that's unimaginably huge and here's a little flavor of it. Um, I think both have merit. And if you're someone who, who naturally is kind of creative and can improvise well, and then you do want a big sandbox and a lot of tools to play with. Um, but in my experience, most people aren't like that. And certainly myself as a designer, I thought that, um, you know, I really needed to re-examine what makes games interesting and trying to compete with the giant kitchen sink settings uh, is not something that I could do as well as some of the bigger players. So that's yeah. why I went with the more story game focused, uh, thematic, smaller settings. Mm. Okay. So you've you've just... Well, not all that recently. I know it's been something that's been uh, you've blogged about in the past as something you've uh, been working on and put aside, and uh, that's the cornerstone system. Yeah, so that's right. What what is that exactly, and and how does it work? Sure, cornerstone. Basically, I am somewhat obsessed with trying to come up with the fewest amount of dice and mechanical widgets that have the most amount of impact on the fiction um so something that's more than just a coin flip but something that's a lot less complicated than like GURPS or D&D or or even my ethos engine games like belly of the beast where there's lots of dice being rolled and lots of kind of uh soothsaying with the way that the dice are interpreted yeah so i was always on a hunt for uh mechanics that are really compact and yet really evocative in terms of what they can produce so i came up with a 1D6 system with Cornerstone that essentially all six results on the die uh, give you, you know, a qualifier. And then the the way that the character's skills are ranked depends on how that die result impacts their their specific success or failure. So someone who's really good, if they rolled uh, 
you know, a two, they could succeed, whereas someone who's not so good would have to roll a five or a six. Yeah. But then that mm-hmm. five or six number will also impact whether they do it at a cost or they do it at a benefit or kind of what the fic- fictional trappings are beyond just the binary result. Does that mean you've seen it? You see it more from a narrative perspective than a than a more of a system or of a mechanical system. Yeah, it's definitely along the yeah. the veins more of. I mean, I think those two concepts are married, but it's closer in scope to like Fate or um, Powered by the Apocalypse games or like Freeform yeah. Universal. Some of the more uh, lighter narrative driven, where there's a lot more GM and player interpretation rather than this is a an objective hard and fast result. Yeah. I have to say, I think there's a lot more of um, there's a lot more of a narrative story driven RPG content in in the indie uh, publishing movement than there is in the mainstream, and uh, certainly a lot of the a lot of the uh, the bigger publishers, you know, uh, Wizards and 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 whatnot, uh, Catalyst, even they they're all very dice and mechanics based systems with a lot of narrative uh, input. But the more the more indie RPGs out there seem to be focused on story and uh, player collaborative and players collaboratively telling that story. Is that the way? Is that is it where you see your your games fit into that that sort of indie? Well, story sounds like Hunt style? the Wicked. From what you were describing there, Ben, this sounds like what Hunt the Wicked's about. It's about yeah. the personalities and characters that are in the story, which is what RPGs feel to me like they, they should are. be about, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm definitely an indie publisher. I've had some success, but. I'm nowhere near any of the big guys, but I mean, I think that there's the general kind of transition is not so much a fragmentation, but that we're just getting more refined. So if you want to have a really mechanically crunchy, really objective, hard, what, you know, some people might call traditional style game, there's very excellent versions of that now. Um, And then there's, you know, on the other flip of the spectrum, I'm even working on a game that's even more narrative than uh, Cornerstone, which is, it's called Perseverant, and that's actually scheduled to be published or to be kickstarted, excuse me, in, in October of this year. So, oh, um, you know, there's there's some middle ground though. Like, uh, you know, the One Ring, for example, the the official Lord of the Rings RPG has a lot of um, narrative interpretation with the die results. Fantasy Flight Games, Star Wars RPGs have a lot of outcome specific interpretation that you do based on you know how many uh, risks and you know the different yeah. kind of subtypes of dice so yeah i think that there's a blend or a spectrum of course but it's easier in the indie scene to focus on a small concept that hits a narrative theme really tightly rather than trying to just model a mechanic system yeah how have you found doing the self-publishing you know with kickstarter and all that sort of stuff and you know you mentioned you're one of the big guys yet perhaps uh what are the pitfalls and learning curves what are the the pro tips for self-publishing Sure. I mean, that's a whole yeah. huge can of worms. But, um, you know, in short, I, I guess it's it's find your niche. Um, but to me, what I think that I do arguably uniquely among kind of my peers in terms of the indie scene is just I treat it really uh, professionally. It's not a hobby to me. It's, yeah. you know, I, I love it and it's very fun and I, I'm very passionate about it personally and I would do it even if there wasn't money in it. But you have to treat it like a business. And so a lot of my decisions are based upon whether or not something I think is viable from a revenue standpoint, whether I think I can make a profit on it. Um, you know, I've been doing self-publishing for almost eight years now and I've only really made money in the last two. So yeah. it, it was a long road of a, of a lot of failures and kind of learning to get to the point where I'm at now. Um, but Belly of the Beast was profitable. 
uh, my company as a whole is, you know, earning profit now and I see that expanding. So I think, you know, in short, my advice is find your niche, execute well, treat it like a job. Yeah, do, you, do, you, do you get a, if you, I suppose you'd imagine having a reasonable team around you as well of people, of go-to guys for, for jobs, wouldn't you? Like with yeah, definitely. You know, I've cultivated a lot of relationships and I actually, I'm a belief of a really, uh, you need a really broad kind of scope of people that you can call upon that you can trust because not everybody's schedule is available. Not everybody's skill set is perfect for the kind of theme that you want. Like for example, just using art, Yeah. you know, I maybe know 50 artists that I would use and hire for different things, um, depending on the style that I wanted for the game specifically and that artist's professionalism and their speed of turnaround time. And I would use different people based on the project. Yeah. I know the, with the, um, the belly of the beast, uh, artwork uh, you know it, while it's i guess it, it's got this minimalist approach in to it but the pieces that are in the in the uh, book are very hard hitting and i found the the uh this the vistas you know the the looking over the cavernous expanse of of the belly uh really resonate with me they stand out and you get this sense of uh of how big this creature actually is and the, and the visceral yeah that's it and they're, they're amazing <laughs> so uh well done. that and i think the artist whoever you got to design though to to cons, uh, draw those for you did a really great job so yeah that's jeff brown yeah. he's an excellent uh scene artist you know he's his strong suit is in like you said developing that scope and kind of that um, emotional response that you see and he uses a very unique style of 3d rendering and um, layer composition and then hand painting things so he he's a, a real true kind of like renaissance man in terms of <laughs> digital techniques and painting that so he can generate a lot of really interesting effects that a traditional painter probably wouldn't be able to so i really like his style and i, I hope to work with him again in the future yeah, i did pick up some of those uh little touches that made it look like you know, you don't know whether the line has been drawn between it's just a painting and then it looks like some sort of like like a, almost like a photorealistic um, guts or belly or, or whatever, you know, just just really, uh, David said, visceral. Um, what's your background and where have you come from to, bring, to be producing RPGs? What got you into designing? Sure. Um, well, I started playing when I was really young. My, my brother is quite a lot older than I am, and he was a big D&D player uh, back in the, in the 90s. And so when, you know, I was, I don't know, probably seven or eight years old when I first started playing, and he was uh, a DM for many years with a large group, and I would try to sit in and play with them, and they were all guys in their teens, and, you know, and I'm eight years old. So I kind of caught up quickly in terms of um, D&D when I was young. But then I actually, I did take a, a bit of a hiatus for a while in high school, and um, but when I got back into college, I had a friend of mine who reintroduced me back into it, and then I just kind of dove headfirst into the whole indie scene and tried to absorb as much as I could. And I started uh, doing my own designs right away. I think I was probably 19 or 20 when I when I started my first design, and um, right. that's when I first made my company because I had I had probably 100 friends or so who were playing my games pretty actively, and so I thought, hey, I could probably make a shot of this. Uh, somewhat professionally and of course I was naive and did it all wrong but <laughs> so I just kind of <laughs> dove in and and bull through a china shop my way to to where I'm at today pretty much yes yeah, so when you when you start off with the with the new designs now are you, are you 
What, what inspires it? Is, there, is it the theme that wants you to get going? Are you drawing on some of those mechanics from the early days that you want to revisit? Or you know, what, what, what usually fires off a new creative project? I think a lot of times it's, um, it's, one, of, it's one or both of those. So like I said, I'm, I'm constantly on the hunt for an interesting mechanic. And so like, I, I will brainstorm card or dice or coin or different kind of randomizers or different kind of mechanics or like oh that would be interesting if players did this kind of element you know what's a theme that i could in a setting that i could walk backwards into that to mm. make that mechanic fit and make sense in the context of the universe so that's one common way that i'll do it the other common way is you know i i have a concept of either a universe or a theme or a setting or something that i really like and then i try to you know work out a system that that fits with that. For example, um, Perseverant, which is my next game that's coming up, I wanted to create a, a survival, not really horror, but the, the desperate survival sort of game tone that a lot of fiction um, has done, you know, especially like people who get stranded up in the mountains or something like that. Yeah, I wanted popular. a game that hits on that theme. Yeah. So, yeah, I had to create the, uh, the mechanics around that. Well, so many of the most popular RPG brands uh, tend to stick to creating worlds within a singular or similar setting. So D and D, Shadow Run, Pathfinder. Um, you've taken your work into the fantastical realm and and the realms of science fiction. Have you got a preference for any one particular setting or a theme or genre yourself? The things that I can more tightly control as a creator, the you know, the easier it is. So, for example, um, with Belly of the Beast, what made it so easy for me to kind of create an evocative setting is because I knew right away here are the parameters that I, you know, the constraints like we were talking about earlier that I can do. So I like that, and I find that the more high fantasy you go, or the more high soft sci-fi you go, the harder it is to do that. So, mm. for example. Um, if Belly of the Beast had magic, which really the, only, the closest thing to that is like alchemy, if people had you know D and D style magic within Belly of the Beast, it would yeah. be an entirely different setting. The whole game would change. You know, people would um, in the world building aspect of it, if people could use magic like they could in Forgotten Realms, the Beast would be a trivial opponent after a while. You know, You're so right. yeah. uh, it changes the the scope of things. So I guess that's a long answer for I like. <laughs> simple settings that are close more closely <laughs> grounded to reality yeah. on that um we were, david and i were talking before about uh if you put belly of the beast and gave it a science fiction setting again the the beast itself wouldn't be that much of a challenge because you'd just find yourself a laser blast and and you know cut your way out of there in no time at all so yeah you're right i, I think i, I taking the magic and that's well, that was high te- fantasy technology as well. We're saying, yeah. what if the, the beast was eating advanced technology and that was coming down? Would you be able to get to use it? Or you know, I, I was asking from a point of view who hasn't played the game, Ben. You know, I was trying to work it all out. Yeah, no, I mean, you could do it with sci-fi. I mean, there's actually been a few um, <clears throat> settings that are kind of similar to being eaten. Like, I mean, even in Star Wars, the guys land the Falcon in that big space worm. So, yeah. you know, it's not impossible to, to yeah. create a setting that would work. I think a system like or a setting like, uh, have you guys played the video game Dead Space? I think yeah. something like that would work fairly well within Belly of the Beast. Although the story there would be about getting out, right? It wouldn't be about... Yeah. How you can settle in and survive. It would be like, how can we cut our way out of this thing? Yeah. So in, in place of uh, the beast per se, you, you know, you've got, you've got this Leviathan Hulk. That sort of thing works quite well. It's just an alter- yep. alteration to the, uh, to the setting and the premise. 
It'd be weird, it'd be right. weird for scenarios. Like you, it wouldn't be one of those uh, campaigns that could go for years then, because <laughs> once you're out, it's like, oh, what happens? Like, next week you rock up at the guy's house and the DM is like, guess what, guys? You've, <laughs> you've been, been swallowed uh, again. You've been swallowed again. <laughs> Back to the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I actually plan someday. Uh, I have a couple of um, larger scope supplements I want to release for Belly of the Beast and uh, one of them does entail trying to get out, and one of them does entail being the last city on the surface. So I'm um, I'm trying to expand that concept outside of within the belly itself, and some of the other things that you can do there. So it's kind of I thought about it a little bit, but nothing yeah. in depth yet. Well, well, that, but that would probably answer a question we had earlier on. If you did get out, where would you be if uh, if this beast has eaten the world? Uh, sure. Wh- where are you? Well, so the way I envision it, and I leave it kind of vague so that GMs can can do it however they want. I even have a section in the book specifically in the the final chapter that says, you know, it's metaphysical, so you can make it however you want. But in my home games and in my personal interpretation, I envision it as a real creature that's not larger than a planet. It's, you know, it's large. I I equate it to the size of a large mountain range. So if you could imagine like the Himalayas or something and the worm is that big, it certainly could have eaten a lot of the surface, a lot of the ocean, but if you got out of it somehow, it wouldn't cover the entire surface of the world. The world would just look like a a barren landscape. All right, cool. That gives that gives us hope. We can get out. <laughs> kind of like the Eldrazi <laughs> from uh, Magic: The Gathering, you know, laying waste to the to everything. I was thinking we're looking yeah, at we're looking exactly. at plushy Cthulhu here. He's supposed to be the size of a mountain. He could, you know, I don't know. Yeah, he's not very intimidating. No, you um, just crash a boat into him anyway. <laughs> yeah. What do you get up to when you're not designing game systems or or engaging in world world building? Well, I do have a day job and. Uh, I spend a lot of time with my wife and my dog, like I've talked about before, but, um, you know, you know, personally or kind of creatively, I, I do like to, uh, write fiction and I've dabbled with it and tried to take a stab at it somewhat professionally, but I'm, I'm much more confident, uh, as a game designer than a, a writer. So, um, just for sheer fun though, I'm big into video games. I used to try to, I wanted to be a pro counter-strike player for a number of years. Oh, wow. I've played thousands of hours of Counter-Strike, and so I'm big into FPS, and like right now I'm playing a lot of Overwatch, and I'm in the top, you know, 8 or 9% in the world in, in Overwatch, so, um, but, you know, it's, it's a fun hobby for me. <laughs> Watch out, huh? What, what's, what's your, if you don't mind me asking, what's your, what's your day job then, Ben? I work in marketing, so I work at an ad agency. Yeah, yeah, cool. I'm just happy that, that you're not a teacher. We seem to be surrounded by <laughs> by teachers <clears throat> over here. Every time uh, uh, yeah, we turn our heads, someone news on the podcast, and they seem to have a teaching background. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, not a teacher, definitely not. Yeah. Um, so, so what would um, so some, there's plenty of people out there that have got day jobs that are trundling through them, and they've got RPG ideas. What's their first step? What do they do? How do they get to get that product that they can stick on Kickstarter or get going? What do they do? Well, I think um, start small. You know, the, my biggest mistake with Forge of Valor was I had this 130,000 word, you know, which is a 250-plus yeah. page, double-column, you know, big, massive tome kind of thing that I had written for years, and I had, had seen dozens of system revisions, and I had already paid thousands of dollars of artwork to try to get it, 
you know, presentable for the Kickstarter. And it was just too big for a first time. I was not a known quantity. Nobody knew me. Nobody trusted me professionally. So it was too big of an ask for people to do it. So, you know, prove yourself first small, even with a free product, release it on drive through RPG or on the DM skilled, you know, make a little quick pay what you want product. Um, Mm. You can do a lot today with like, even with Google docs or very simple layout programs like Scribus and get a, a pretty clean and somewhat professional looking product out there. And, and if you put the time in and, and do something good, you know, people, the RPG community is small, right? So word of mouth is very effective yeah. in terms of marketing. How did you go about getting yourself trusted? Yeah. How do you build that Kickstarter audience for when the first thing, because I imagine that's important, isn't it? Someone goes on Kickstarter, you already want to know that there's X amount of people that are going to back it straight away. Yep. A big part of it is transparency. So if you're if you're completely new on the scene, no one's ever heard of you. You yeah. launch your Kickstarter today. The way that you can make the uh, the Kickstarter itself and you as a as a publisher trustworthy is, is being extremely transparent. So the, what I what I did with Valve Honor was I had all my costs broken down exactly how I planned to spend them. I had very detailed description of how the uh, not only the game was written and going to be produced, but also um, how it was. Uh, actually already completed you know the, the the text was finished it wasn't edited but it was complete and i had a link to the game that you could actually read so if someone wanted to it didn't yeah. have to back for a preview or, or anything like that they could read it without backing it yeah. and i think that was a big thing that, um, that also, was for I me really, yeah with with um belly of the beast that really was for me that's that's one of the things that got me hooked because i was able to go and see that um current iteration yeah that was so the rpg yep. communities is cool with uh, if there's something they can read online, they'll still want the hard copy book in front of them. Yeah, or the, the poly, the finished PDF. Yeah, they yeah. want the finished yeah. one, right? You know, I mean, the, a lot of people will will take the the game idea and run with it, and that's fine. I probably would have a hard time selling those people anyway. Um, yeah. There's plenty of people who can convert any setting they want to GURPS, right? So you know, those people, I'm not too worried about like quote stealing my idea or whatever yeah. because I'm probably not going to sell them anyway. But if the people see that I'm very open about my design process and they can read the whole text, they can see the work that I've put in, this is even the unpolished version and it's pretty good, then you know they're excited about what the final version will look like. Yeah. You also, what, another thing I, I, I was really happy to see was the uh, quick start rules up there. So so literally, it was a, I, don't, I can't remember how many pages, it was only a few pages long, but it had all the basics there plus a scenario at the end, which was uh, terrific because that's what enabled yeah. me to get take that straight away before the Kickstarter had even finished and go to, to Harlan and, and the Invictus guys and say, hey, can we run this? We've got a quick start. And we were up, we did our um, first, first session with very little hassle whatsoever. All the information we needed was right there. Yeah, I think that's really essential. You know, try, so all of this kind of ties back with give as much information as you can possible yeah. to the potential backers and limit the scope of your project, limit the scope of rewards that you're going to have to fulfill. And all of that says that, you know, I'm serious, I'm professional, and you can trust me. Yeah, that, that quick start idea, I, I didn't realize. At the moment, I've, well, at the moment, for the last Oh, maybe 15 years, I know longer, I've been looking at, I bought a copy of Call of Cthulhu role-playing game years ago because it had some pretty pictures in it. Yeah. <laughs> and I've always wanted to run Call of Cthulhu. And then I got to a stage where, okay, I'm going to get the most up-to-date one and it's going to be the hardback. I like the hardback books. 
finally got that. And now I'm just looking at this huge volume of stuff that I know the whole world knows about. And I'm going, I'd really like to DM this because I'm a writer. I, I've got lots of fiction that would apply to that world and I'd love to role play through it. Yeah. But I'm just so intimidated by just trying to run it. I'd, I'd love a quick play guide right now. It's just like a bang, bang, bang here you go. Well, and I've role-played before, so I kind of know, but still, looking at that big book, man, it's terrifying. I think some of them can be quite oppressive when you're looking at them. Um, massive tomes of things, like you say, but uh, Monty Cook Games is one of those. Now, they're, they're becoming very popular now because I think their resource materials are very accessible. You've Have you, you, you role-played any other systems, any of these modern systems yourself, Ben? Oh, yeah. Um, I try to play as much like as that? I can, and if I, if I can't actually play, then I'll at least read through them and sort of do some faux scenarios in my mind and see how it works so I can kind of see how the system plays no, I've, out. I've got stacks. I think I've actually been collecting uh, role-playing games for many years, and a lot of them have sat on the shelf unused simply because I didn't have anybody to play them with. So I've you know read them cover to cover and like you say create scenarios. I've written lots of scenarios for them, but uh, that have remained dusty and on the shelf and never been used. So um, I think to pick up something now that that has the quick start has a lot of transparency is a, an evocative setting is a real bonus to me and you know it, it makes me want to go back and, and look at some of those things that I've written and uh, yeah, see if you know there's any chance of them coming out and uh, doing something more with them with them than just let them well, gather dust. With keep keeping in mind that this 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 show should come out like uh, mid mid October. What's yeah. whereabouts in the world is Belly the Beast mid October 2016, Sorry, Ben, is that something that people can pick up on online from a site? Are they what, how are they getting hold of it? Yeah, it should be fully published by then. Um, I actually just yesterday received my uh, softback proof, and it looks good. So I'm going to approve that uh, for print production. Yeah. And then I'm waiting on the hardcover proof, which should be here soon, I imagine, in less than a week. Um, so I, I think that we'll have everything ready to go um, within September. So I'm thinking October 1 or, or even late September I'll go public and you know promote it and put it up on drive through and <clears throat> have it be available for purchase for anyone who has interest in it. Yeah, that's terrific. Well, so when you let us know that that's happened, we'll definitely plug it through here, and that's when I'll I'll look at doing the second part of uh, the Belly of the Beast game with the Invictus guys sometime probably towards the end of October, hopefully. Yeah, yeah and, that'd be great. And what is what is your uh, website that they'll be able to pick it up from? So you can go to my website. Um, you can just go to bendutter.com and, and follow through the links to get to the Belly of the Beast page. Yeah. Um, if you just Google Belly of the Beast RPG, that's probably the fastest way that you can find it because it will be up on everywhere. Yeah. My Kickstarter will come up. My publishing page will come up. The drive through link will come up. So your your venue of choice, if you just Google it, is probably the best way. All right, cool. It's got me to any – uh, that's that's my go-to for uh, role-playing games these days is – either drive through or RPGnow.com. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I like going through seeing who's got a quick start. <laughs> and basically that's, that's how I decide what my next purchase is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, I'm not, if I'm cruising around on a Kickstarter, then I'm trolling through uh, drive through 
to find out who's got a free set of rules that I can have a look at before I commit to one of their bigger project, uh, bigger products. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. So what did you say was coming up next for you in the pipeline? You've got, you're working on cornerstone. That's, that's something that's an ongoing project. You said perseverance. Is that what it was called? Yeah. So perseverant, um, basically it's, it's, uh, it's like the noun or the adjective version of perseverance, right? So it's, it's, you have your, you can persevere, you have determination. So, um, I can send you a link to that, but yeah, yeah, that game is written and, uh, almost finalized in terms of editing. Uh, it's been very thoroughly play tested. I've actually had, because I've become I can I can cheat a little bit and I can lean on some other game designers because I've become somewhat well known within the indie industry. So I can say, hey, you know, uh, Jason Pitra or Hannah Schaefer or uh, Jason Morningstar, can you guys uh, play this and tell me what you think and and give me some feedback? And they they do, and a lot of them will even like record actual plays for me and give me very in depth play test feedback. So I have a very good uh, brain trust, if you will, of, of other designers out there who can help me so this game i'm is probably my most polished mechanically but it is for a very different crowd than the more traditional D uh belly of the beast type people it's definitely wholly in the, the story game realm yep yeah. and when's that that's due to come out onto kickstarter approximately uh, sometime in october i'm thinking yeah. mid-october i want to be clear of all the belly of the beast stuff and all that's fulfilled and, yeah. and all everybody has their print copies for all the backers and everything yeah. so once that's all finalized then i'll launch perseverant i'm sure i'll come up with a finalized uh, day when i get closer terrific cool. now oh you're gonna do it you're gonna drop yeah, the classic i'm gonna drop the classic all right drop the classic. <laughs> now this is totally we, we don't know whether you're a board gamer or not uh ben but our, our end of interview question your sign off if you will is how do you stack your board games well i don't have a ton of board games anymore i used to um i would probably stack them by try to get them as columns by weight and by size so if i had a bunch of really wide big games those would all go together and if i had a bunch of narrow heavy games those would go together so that's that's like the the manual handling way of doing it so you've got like (laughs) heavy ones kind of like a waist height and the lighter ones at head and and foot height is that what you're talking about yeah yeah so you're uh, you're an OH&S person's uh, ideal uh, board game stacker, basically. Does, Hel- I'd have thought with the, with, with the marketing background, I was wondering whether the, uh, you know, when, when board games don't have the, the spines right, it might, might work when RPGs, like if they, if they print the spine the wrong way around so the text faces oh. a different way to everyone else, or it's upside down, so you have to put the book or the board game upside down for it to look right. That sort of stuff drives me crazy. Oh, yeah, I hate that. I'm, I'm, very, uh, I'm very exacting with how my covers look. I actually do all my own uh, cover design, so I'll, I'll commission the artwork, but then I'll do the, the text and overlay the covers and everything, and I, I hate it if I'm even just like a couple pixels off yeah. in terms of like the spine placement. It drives me nuts. So it's going perfectly centered. It's going in the right spot. I love the, um, the Belly of the Beast font. Uh, it's, it's really, it really suits the... Uh, the setting and the, and the tone of the book. Okay. Um, so, yeah, well, that's, I think that's it from us, isn't it? Needs and Twos! Needs and Twos! Oh, Needs and Twos. This is weird, isn't it? Doing a bank show, Needs and Twos. Yeah. So it won't be current Needs and Twos necessarily. No, all those comments will be uh, future comments. 
yeah, we're well, speaking retrospectively. Well, I guess what will happen is everybody right now is put, are putting comments on Beyond Baker Street. Yes, well Good. done. Good, do keep, that. Keep doing that. Yeah, because you can win the game. It's, it's free like that. You, you put a comment on there. Maybe something hilarious. Maybe a, maybe a picture. Maybe something poignant. What would you put, Matt, if you're going to write one right now? Uh, about Baker Street. Well, yeah. first of all, I'd start by singing the song Baker Street. Oh, yeah, because you haven't got that out of your mind just no, yet. No, it's there. It's in That's going to happen when we do the, uh, do the pod, isn't it? Which has happened a fortnight ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So everyone will be going, oh, my God. He was, we, we could have written then and just told him, just forget about it. Don't do it. Um, no, it'd be some, it could be something Sherlock Holmesian. Um, you know, we, we enjoy the comments that make us uh, laugh and think. Oh, yeah. And, or think about laughing. Yeah, makes, makes, you, makes you laugh, makes you cry. Most of all, makes you think. There we go. Um, also, you'd be able to get 10% going to your good game store and say, Matt, what would you say? Elementary, you my dear Watson. Yeah, wear a deer stalker which is, <laughs> which is, or, and, and shoot up on now, some Now, that's really drugs. funny because when you said deer stalker, I, I thought you just misspoke and meant uh, deer hunter. You know, no, the, no, the Pacino yeah. film. Now that's that. Uh, I think I forgot what his first name is <laughs> for Rathbone. He played Sherlock Holmes. I think. I think. But you know what? You know what name comes to mind when I think of his first name? I come up with Daryl, and I don't think Darryl. anyone was called Daryl back in the 1940s or whatever Darryl. it was. No, no Daryls. Surely no, no. not. I don't think so. But anyway, do you put that in your quiz and you'll <laughs> stop me because I'll forget to look it up between now and then. But I think apparently he wore a Deerstalker hat and that was just part of him assuming the character. And it isn't, as far as I know, I don't think it's in any of the oh, written work. Go. Yeah. Oh, actually, uh, friends of ours, um, uh, podcast friends of ours, HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast, just did the horror of the horror of the heights i think it was called um which is a sir arthur conan doyle story and uh yeah it's it's a it's a kind of a bizarre bizarre story but it's kind of kind of yeah. neat i enjoyed it and that's sir arthur conan doyle oh okay well, i'll have to catch up i'm not a huge i haven't been a huge sherlock holmes reader or anything you haven't the horror no, of, the I horror haven't. of the heights oh they're all good they're really good yeah. actually yeah. i've joined uh, i don't know how much i whether i mentioned this previously or not but I joined the uh, book club for uh, Geek Shock. So yeah, Geek Shock yeah, you club. did mention that. Yeah, and you know, but I suppose by the time this goes out, they'll be onto their third book for the book club. But um, how long do they give you to read a book? Uh, you get the first eight days is silent, okay. so no commenting that sort of thing, and then the rest of the month it's open slather, and then and that's in the last Facebook, week, is it? Yeah, on All Facebook. Right. Yeah, so it's on. Uh, Geek Shock Book Club is the Facebook group link. And, uh, oh, yeah. there you go, Geek Shock. There's a shout-out to you guys. Yeah. Yeah, we should have done that. Actually, them. I was thinking, I was going to write to them. I'm going to write to them one day. Yeah, go on. They can help me with my geeky problems. Yeah, they um, The other thing I was going to say was uh, with the RPGs in, in yeah. at, at Cannington, now the way to get involved with that is to put your name down the counter so you can speak to uh, one of the friendly staff behind yeah. the counter there, Daniel, Zoe, Aaron, Lyle. Ring, ring them up, ask them, say, yeah, hey, I want to I play RPGs and that. Sorry the rest of the world you won't be able to dial in. <laughs> Just those, those near Cannington WA. Unless you happen to be visiting for a period of about three yeah. weeks, then yeah, join in and it's the right three weeks. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm running a, a system, a scenario for three weeks and then taking a week break, then starting an, uh, another three weeks of the same system with a different scenario, and I'll be doing that for ever uh, for a few times, and then <laughs> and then change. Oh, well, for a few week, few 
yeah. rotations and then changing it to a different game. I would love to see someone come over on holiday from somewhere else and say, hey, look, man, I was listening to it. Yeah. So we don't get that. The only, the only person that has, um, has been spotted outside of the pod is still Riley. Yeah, that's true. If someone yeah. oh, you're the voice from, from Sutherland Hand. Anyway. So, so if you want to get involved, yeah, uh, get involved. Yeah, sign up in, in store, take, um, take, take a seat. If you will, if you uh, preference is always going to new players and and first timers that sort of thing. So, but uh, you just pop your name down there, and if if the vacant seats, I, I do run with five players, so which is good, a goodly number. Oh, and and keep commenting on on our Facebook page. Please uh, do. If you do, and we're talking about it, or you just want to write to us, write to podcast at sevenlandhand dot com. Also, I was thinking we should get some new merch, but what what merch would we do? Ooh, that stands sounds like the kind of thing we need to create a poll for. Because, you know, there's some fun stuff out there, but not everyone can use it. Uh, a badge true. is kind of handy, but, you know, I think we need to expand beyond beyond the badge. Well, well, well let's see. We'll have to have a think about I this. I know, that's why I'm throwing it you out know, to well, the listeners. Probably, by you... the time this goes up, we've probably already thought of the idea and we'll poo-poo anything that anyone suggests. But... No, we won't. No, we won't. <laughs> no, we'll not. keep this one going for a while. We've been, think... we've been thinking about this for ages. What do you mean? You've got a small, uh, I think you've got a small truck full of badges left. Is that right? No, no, there's hardly any. I've been I saying there's know. hardly any. And then I found a little bag of them and that replenished. And but um, there really is not that many. There really is not that many left. Yeah, <laughs> I saw them the other day because I was uh, sending one off to somebody and I was like, oh, oh dear, we need, we need some merch. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, well. I don't know. Put I don't your know thinking caps on. Give us some <gasps> ideas. and Seven land hand thinking caps. <laughs> <laughs> Get some beanies like Aaron's. Beanies. Oh, yeah, he'll, he'll be in here tomorrow. Now, isn't that just Aaron's normal hair? Oh, it might be, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, look, it's hard to do neats and twos for the future. Um, but um, thanks, thanks for listening to our, one of our first bank shows that we've really ever done. And that was Ben Dunner. He was a nice guy. Yeah, he, yeah. he was. And Genuine nice guy. It, you know, RPGs are, are not something that we've been we've done a lot of in the past so uh hopefully we'll get the opportunity get on kickstarter and support his um whatever he's coming up with next and I, i've found a few other little indie rpgs on there that i've liked and i've, I've backed uh it's it's a big thumbs up to the little guy really uh, yeah we don't have to give all of our money to the fantasy flights and Chaosium, like I've been plugging the, the world. Whole no, <laughs> right. we can we can look out for the little guys and uh, uh, and because I think if your bag happens to be those narrative driven storytelling RPGs rather than dice rolling systems and tables and stats, then uh, I think you're, I really encourage you to get out there. Which is where it should be at. I think it should be about the characters that are in the story and those that's who yeah. you're playing and you get to explore the world by being a character, that's which it. is good. Um, I played, oh, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it before. I played Dread the other day, uh, which has used the Jenga set as the, the mechanic. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, instead of any you, dice. Oh, yeah, so, you tell me about this, yeah. yeah. So as you narrate the story, as you w- go through the scenario, and, and it's a collaborative storytelling effort, if you need to complete a task, you pull a, uh, a tile out of the, a block out of the Jenga stack. If it falls over, then your character dies in a really horrible so way. So you all have your own Jenga stack? No, you just have one. One, it's a communal group thing, and then you restack it and, uh, with, and pull a number of blocks and then keep going. Okay. And it's a really tension. How do you get, your new, do you get a new character? No, you're out. I was used to you can. stand oh, in the you corner. Could you could no, no. Go I, home, I actually get in the car. that happened. <laughs> that happened later. to one of our characters, and yeah. uh, I had lucky. I had a, a supply of other characters to, oh, to okay. give them. So, and then uh, and then they all died, pretty much. Yeah. 
All right, let's let's play some music and go Outro. go to sleep. What was it? RPG RPG pod all done. Yep, in the bag, in the can, in the belly. See <laughs> 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 so what I did there? Still yeah, air high five. Yeah. Uh, my thanks goes out to Ben Dutta for uh, giving up his time and speaking. Thanks, to us Ben. To at the young. Goodly hour of six a.m. over in Sacramento, and uh, of course here it's like nine, ten, yeah. probably eleven now. And uh, although you know it's it's it is it is ten to ten, and people have got their wood wood fires on out there and around the pod, it's uh, quite hard if you go outside the pod at the moment and breathe deeply. It feels like you've been smoking for forty years. It's, it's hence the, hence this cold. voice. Uh. <laughs> it's not actually as cold down here as it's been in the past few weeks. But yeah. uh, I guess that's because we're coming into spring. Also, I had spring. the heater on, Matt. <clears throat> oh, that's uh, and my jacket's really nice. And, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and David, speaking of thanking people, I'd like to thank you. You don't have to keep thanking, but thanks, Matt. Thanks you made for coming me a great down. tea. Yeah, that was good, wasn't it? We it had was. In- I did enjoy it, and I'm not really a huge tea drinker. But English breakfast to go along with uh, Ben Dutter's exactly. breakfast. I had a, a morning coffee. <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to thank Jamie for not being here tonight. Yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry, Jamie. <laughs> uh, he, we cut him out. Hey, two weeks, <laughs> two weeks to Halloween. That's it. Well, what are we going to do? Are we, are we going to get together? Are we going to play that big uh, role playing game on Iron Shimmer? Are we going to beat him? I don't know. I don't know. If, hopefully. It's hard to get the timing right because I know. Call, uh, call Cthulhu on Halloween. Do it. Do it, guys. Uh, you know you want to. Play the haunting. That well run scenario, well worn scenario. All right, good night. Good night.